never worked at a, a restaurant, so might as Till well. today. Although technically, my first job was as a busboy. Oh. It was in like a wine or a bistro that was the upstairs of the Lakeridge Winery, so I don't count that as like right. restaurant. The infamous the Lake Ridge Ridge Winery. winery. <laughs> Are we ready? <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> okay. Welcome to Murder Brunch. We are the Murder Brunch Bunch. I'm Rachel. I'm Joe. I'm Clinton. And this is the podcast where we give you two tales of mayhem and murder and discuss where killer lies on Dr. Michael Stone's scale of evil. There's a giant bug on your wall. Yeah, it's one of those big mosquitoes. Mosquito eater. Is that what they are? Mm Mm-hmm. A skeeter eater? Maybe it's just a decoration. Thank you for noticing. (laughs) (laughs) I could see you doing something like that in your house. All right, so I want to take a sip of oh, yeah. the drink. So we all got to do it together. My Hang on. Hold on. I have a sip of my coffee. Does that do that? No, you're just supposed to smell the beans. That's what cleanses your palate. I've never even heard of that. You never heard of that? Like at wine tasting, they have like a little bowl of coffee beans, and you're supposed to like sniff. And the some beans French guys, I like, smell my beans. <laughs> smell my beans. I, I can't do accents at the Lake Ridge Winery. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> That's fun. It is creamy. It is creamy. It's got half and half oh, in God. it. Oh, God. It's hitting me right in the belly, though. I'm like, what is that? Oh, no. Anytime <laughs> you do the mix of uh, dairy and alcohol and it hits Ugh. your belly. I think it's no. going back up. I think this is kind of tasty. <laughs> I got just a little uh, touch of the Chambord. Mm-hmm. I don't taste any fruit because Chambord is raspberry, right? I don't yeah. taste any kind of fruit. You will when you get a little deeper. It sinks. I don't know if I'm going to make it. This is, this is strong. Well, it is a, it's a vodka <laughs> martini. Yeah. So. That, uh, the foamy, creamy part of it is fun. Is this going to be some kind of other secretion or some kind of piss or something? Oh, no. Okay, great. Pus. No. <laughs> Pus. Yeah, um, no, this is called the fingerprint cookie oh. cocktail. Because it's supposed to. I love fingerprint cookies. Yeah, rem- uh, resemble the uh, shortbread with the raspberry in the middle. Gotcha. And it, I mean, it looks like I have like a little. Yeah, so it's. Of the top. It's half and half vanilla vodka and shortbread syrup. Oh. And then a splash of Chambord. I didn't know you could get shortbread syrup. You can. You know, I'm getting into um, Biscoff spread, the cookie butter spread. Oh, yeah, yeah. God, that stuff is so damn good. I eat it by the spoonful. And it is made with ginger snaps, which I just realized because I was looking up a recipe to see if I could do it at home. Mm-hmm. And you can. It's not that difficult. But it's made with gin- ginger snaps. I mean, cookies. it's made with Biscoff cookies. Yeah, well, the uh, the Biscoff brand, but if you just want a cookie butter, you can just use ginger snap cookies. Is there a lot of sugar in it? It wasn't too bad, but I mean, it's definitely She's not. lying. <laughs> no, like a tablespoon is only like um, 80 calories or something like that. And they're all carbs. Well, yes. <laughs> oh, it's a cookie butter. I mean, I don't know what you guys are expecting. It's not like vegetarian. Well, I guess actually it is, right? There's I don't know. It. There's lots and lots of meat in the cookie butter. <laughs> These are, this is a very strong martini for me. Oh, well, mine's empty now. <laughs> so, Clinton's going to have another one. Mine is pretty strong, too, but that's... I almost wish I had gotten one with more Chambord. You want to try yeah, one? Yeah, let me just try it, because I, I can't taste anything. You're still going to get I'm vodka still, and I mean, cream. I'm still going to get all vodka and cream, I think. Should we talk about the brunch we're having? Sure. Today, I slaved. Uh-huh. Over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, an omelet brunch. So I had a chicken-based one, a steak-based one, and a vegetarian-based one. So. And despite all my bullshitting about vegetarians, <clears throat> that's the one I ate. <laughs> Mainly because it didn't have onions in it, I don't and like you hate onions. onions. I don't like onions. Don't and yet, you. onions are perfectly acceptable for vegetarians. Absolutely. <laughs> Unless they have a face. <laughs> In which case, no one should be eating Nobody those onions. Nobody should be eating that. That's not good. And then we also have some Especially of our... if it's like, I'm not an onion. Why are you eating me? I have ow, a face. Ow, ow, <laughs> But yeah, that's what the last onion told me. And he was delicious. Uh, we also have for our sweet treats, we have watermelon and munchkin donut holes and chocolate donuts. They are a brand specific chocolate donut, though, that I have I wasn't going to mention. Yeah. You all know. <laughs> yeah, Rachel and I were on the same wavelength apparently, and we all we both brought donuts, and we complimented each other. You brought the donuts, I brought the donut holes. 
I would like to issue an apology for last week. Oh, what happened last week? <laughs> because I I was listening to it. Yeah. And I couldn't say anybody's name right. Oh, <laughs> uh, you did seem a little. And I don't and I don't understand why. It wasn't like the names were foreign or like it wasn't from Scandinavia or anything like that. And yet somehow I could not get anybody's name right. Yeah. It happens to the best of us. I've practiced today because my story is from a different... No. <laughs> it is from a different country, though. All right. Are we ready for the first story? Mm-hmm. Hit me with that murder. <laughs> All right. The time. June 19th, 1892. So the anniversary is coming up. Do you want us to wait until we're you're settled? Sorry, I was just moving sausage out of the way. Yeah. As you do. Your thing is also not, not turning. turning. <laughs> I just want to turn. No, it's all <laughs> fucked up. Way to go, Clinton. All right. <clears throat> Technical difficulties all over. This is what happens when your brunch shares your table with your microphones. Mm-hmm. The place. Necochia. Argentina. Beautiful pronunciation. Thank you. Watch somebody come in like, that's not how you say it. (laughs) Police are called to a house and find a gruesome scene. A woman and her two children have been attacked. The house belonged to Francesca Rojas. And upon arrival, the police find her with her throat cut and her kids, six-year-old Ponciano and four-year-old Felisa, are stabbed to death. Oh, no. Fortunately, Francesca's wound was not deep enough to kill her. And after a time recovering in a hospital, she was able to identify the killer. Ooh, nice. Pedro Ramon Velazquez had been pursuing Francesca for some time. And earlier in the day, he had actually asked her to marry him. But she turned him down. So later that night, he returned to her home in a blind rage, killed her children, and tried to kill her. Did you pick this story just for me because of our previous discussion of if I can't have you, no one can? Very typically a woman thing. But you're like, no, that's what the man does. Like, oh, I thought you meant like we had had that discussion about me. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't remember that, Clinton. <laughs> Are you two having a love affair that I don't know about? That would be a very interesting love affair. Because we don't know about it either. <laughs> we get blackout drunk on Sundays. <laughs> and then who's to Talk tell what happens? So Only the listeners know. <laughs> Leave the mic on. All right. (laughs) Pedro Velazquez is immediately arrested and interrogated, but he will not confess to the crimes. However, being that it's 1892. Oh, I forgot. This was... We were so far back in the past. Yeah. This was not enough to placate authorities and personal rights were not really a thing yet. So they proceed over the next few days to tie him up and beat him relentlessly. He killed two children and tried to kill a lady. Or did he? Mm. And yet he does not confess. They even tie him to the bodies of the dead children overnight. <laughs> oh my God. And still he won't, will not take responsibility. That is fucked. That is messed up. I am aghast. I, I read in another article that, that one of the police officers also like dressed up like a ghost and try to like scare him That's into oh, classic 1892 like derogation <laughs> techniques. Ooh, Pedro, I know what you did, dude. I can see your feet under the shoes. What? You're wearing shoes. <laughs> no, I'm not. Ghost I think that's my sheet. Ghost shoes. Did you take my sheet and cut holes in it? <laughs> I do, at least though, it being 1892, you have here a case of a woman says one thing and the man says no, and they're taking the woman's word for it. So that's very progressive of them in 1892. (laughs) Well, you know, I I think it also, the South American culture. A little more matriarchal? Yeah. Maybe. At their wit's end, the Necochia Police contact the nearest bigger city, La Plata. They send Inspector Eduardo Alvarez to help with the investigation. He arrives, and after questioning certain people involved, Investigator Alvarez starts questioning some details. Firstly, Velazquez seemingly has an airtight alibi. His friends all swear that he was with them all night. 
And then Alvarez discovers a previously unknown boyfriend that Fr- Francesca Rojas had neglected to tell the police. Uh-oh. So he starts wondering if the story really matches up. Oh, that Francesca was trying to frame Pedro or something like that? Let's see. Okay. So he goes back to the crime scene, which is pretty much left as originally found. While there, he notices a blood smear that stands out from all the other carnage in the house. Argentinian Sherlock Holmes. Mm. The closer he got, he realized that it was an almost perfect thumbprint. Now, to all of us living in 2021, (laughs) this is not a huge deal. But in 1892, fingerprinting was a brand new and state-of-the-art technique. That's really cool. (laughs) Before, he would have just, like, licked it and been like... Tastes like blood. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see if we can find out who this belongs to. This originated in the hills of... (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Good year. Before this time, the only way of identifying criminals was through the... (laughs) I thought you were going to... I don't know. I thought you were going to say something like... Uh, the goat bones we like spread out <laughs> on the ground and set into all. A that's man all. dresses up like a goat. <laughs> yeah. The Bertion method, named after Alphonse Bertion, who worked for the Paris police, which, by the way, makes them the oldest forensic program in the world. The Paris one. Yeah. Neat. Photography was still extremely expensive, so Bertion devised a method that used a series of measure- measurements, eleven in total all over the body however it was very cumbersome in a lengthy process so most criminals measurements were never taken and the information was not guaranteed to be exclusive to one person also measuring women was almost out of the question because it required too much touching and their (laughs) hairstyles may distort (laughs) results Mm -hmm. just shave their heads already present it would have been great being a lady murderer back in the 1800s you could get away with with everything i can't think of the name of the guy that popularized that whole pile of curls on the head spilling down he was like a not a cartoonist but he drew no maybe it's gibson the gibson girl yes i didn't think the gibson girl was the hair piled on top i thought gibson girl was like it, it was all of it. It was the hair piled on top. It was a the whole narrow look. waist. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. It was like the curls. Gibson was all about the curls and stuff like that. So yeah. um, before that, women didn't like uh, curl their hair falsely. Right. So. Mm. Anyway, back to the death. Of right, right. Children. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, uh... Also, this method may work to identify if a criminal had been arrested before, but did nothing to prove a person had been at the scene of a crime. Mm-hmm. But in the very same year of 1892. So wait, just real quick. Okay. Berto. He's. Bertion. Bertion. He's keeping like files on people of these measurements. Yes. Does that span countries? Yes. Well, I don't know how far they communicated. Yeah. I mean, as far, you know, like in the 70s, police departments didn't communicate with each other. But at least in Paris. In Paris, they had like one of the first databases that said, okay, this guy has a head diameter of this, and his mm-hmm. right foot is this long, and da 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 da. So people couldn't lie about themselves mm-hmm. because people are like, "Well, you you match this this description." However, we understand that matching a description, yeah, is not. In fact, there was a case where a guy named Will West was arrested, and they identified him through the Bertians method as being William West, who had been arrested before. And done some serious crimes. However, while they were processing him and convicting him of something else, who knows, as William West, they discovered that the actual William West was already serving a life sentence in jail. <laughs> so it, it wasn't foolproof, yeah. Ob- yeah. obviously. Obviously. Well, and I mean, it doesn't account for like, if a 12-year-old does something, because back in this day, that would have been charged as an adult. They get all his measurements and then, you know, he right. grows. Or like, you know gain weight and that changes your your face and yeah. and everything so your feet haircut go ahead <laughs> just pose as a woman nobody will touch you nobody will touch you but in the very same year of 1892 a book was published on the theory of using fingerprints as personal identification unique to an individual written by the brilliant dr michael stone <laughs> In 1892. The man is immortal. I'm pretty sure it was Dr. Fingerprint. It's named after him. (laughs) Right, of course. Actually, this book was written by Sir Francis Galton, who happened to be the cousin of Charles Darwin. 
Fun. Galton was also the person to coin the phrase nature versus nurture and eugenics. So you take the good with the bad. I honestly thought that was Darwin. Mm-mm. Did he steal that shit from him? <laughs> from his cousin? Maybe they just collaborated. Mm. Fortunately, Alvarez was a great admirer of a Croatian police investiga- investigator who now worked in Argentina named Juan Vucetich. And he had studied personal identification methods and who had started to keeping notebooks of fingerprints, including those of mummies. So he was um, so interested in using fingerprints as a database of identifying people that he started practicing. And he went to the local museum and fingerprinted all their mummies to see if stickers on the pages and doing little rainbows. He named them. Little fingerprint scrapbook. (laughs) This guy's name is Carlos. (laughs) I just like the idea if he comes upon a crime scene, lifts a fingerprint, he's like, oh yeah. That was Ramses the <laughs> second. <laughs> what was he doing? What the fuck? <laughs> so, <laughs> the ghost comes back to play. Yep. A man dresses up like a ghost. Mm-hmm. So investigator Alvarez knew this thumbprint was important, but because the fingerprinting was so new, he had no way of collecting the print. So he simply took a saw to the wall and cut out the section of the wall to preserve yes. the print. Yes. Brilliant. I love this. Upon comparing the fingerprint with that of Pedro Velazquez, it is discovered there is no match. Okay. However, it did match... Francesca. Francesca's oh. thumbprint. Well, wait. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean, like... I mean, yes. We know there. Francesca was at the scene right. of the crime. Yes. Alvarez speaks with her as she's still recovering from her neck wound. He presented her with his evidence, and she confesses. She was, in fact, the one that murdered her children (gasps) because she was in love with a man who did not like children and would not give her any attention because of her, quote, bratty kids. I fucking hate that. She was arrested, tried, and convicted of the double murder, and she was sentenced to life in prison. We should have known from the neck wound not going all the way through. That doesn't often happen. And if you think about it, and I hate, I don't want to get too far into it because it could be another story that we present. It directly mirrors a different, pretty famous mm-hmm. murder case that remains like there. It's very like some people think she did it, some people think she did it. Yeah, not. I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. <clears throat> this is considered the very first homicide solved using fingerprinting. And Argentina was the first country to adopt it as their exclusive identification system. Alphonse Bertion was furious. <laughs> and it took him a long time to come around to incorporate fingerprints into his own system. He even had a fist fight with Juan Vucetich, but eventually, with much French grumblings, I assume, Bertion started to include fingerprints, but only of the right hand. Okay, so Bertian just had the measurement system. Yes. Who had the original fingerprint? Because, uh, because how did... Is it Juan that did the original fingerprinting? Or? He started making a database. He started making the database. But who was it that said that the fingerprints were going to be important? I thought there was someone else. Sir Francis Galton. Yes. Yeah. And then who's our Argentinian dude? The, the original investigator. investigator. That is Eduardo Alvarez. Okay, so, but, so Eduardo was given basically the credit. No. Eduardo was a fan Okay. Of Juan. Okay. Who had started this. Got so it. he okay. knew of the technology and then, so he took it to him. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So Bertion started including only right hand fingerprints in his system. In 1911, a former Louvre employee stole the Mona Lisa. He was left handed. <laughs> so they could not identify him with the prints that were left behind. <laughs> He eventually just turned himself in after two years, saying he never did anything with the painting. He just left it on his kitchen table the whole time. (laughs) Just wanted to get cut. Come on, guys. I've got your painting. I just like the idea of, you know, pouring yourself a cup of coffee. Morning, Mona. (laughs) But that's the thing. So here's this, you know, this amazing guy of the Paris police. And he could not find the the thief of the Mona Lisa because he didn't have his left hand fingerprints. Mm. Well, 
But at the same time, like, if, if that guy had not done any crime beforehand, would they have found him anyway? They like, would have been, they had fingerprints at the scene. So if they fingerprinted all of the ex-employees, oh, the they would I have see. found him. Oh, that's funny. That's yeah, stupid. All right, go ahead. <laughs> that's it. Oh, that's where we end. Okay. Yeah. All right, so I guess we're putting Francesca on the... We are putting Francesca on the scale. Because even though I thought this was very interesting as the first case to use fingerprints, because um, I mean, like, th- this is 1892. Mm-hmm. We s- fingerprints are still a very viable oh, yeah. forensic that they use now. I think they did discover their they're not always foolproof like there are there are enough similarities between certain fingerprints where it where you could falsely accuse someone mm-hmm. but that's in rare cases yeah i think it's also there was a lot more like i think error when people were analyzing it as right. opposed to a computer yeah. algorithm right because isn't there something about like twins or something could have super similar fingerprints or something like that or? well i would assume they're identical no that's not the case they're not hmm. Yeah. I also, until just now, assumed that my right matched my left. I also, I thought so Except too. for like, you know, minor discrepancies. Or like it's like a mirrored image or something like that. But I don't know now. I'm looking at my fingerprints. I don't know. That's interesting. Well, also, it's one of those things too that people try to remove their fingerprints. Yeah. But because you're, it's not just your fingerprints. It's your whole hand mm-hmm. that is, I mean, that they can find and, and like they'll take palm prints and stuff like that and be able to right. match them did you know uh nipple prints are also individual as well was it nipple i think it was nipple i read this recently it was labia it's labia. <laughs> labia everybody's labia is a little different <laughs> very nice ball sack ball sack and labia yeah. are all a little different sir we're gonna have to take a ball sack print <laughs> i need you to dip those in the thing uh, you're not wearing a uniform are you sure you here? Um, Dude, you're dressed like a ghost. <laughs> Put your balls <laughs> in the sink. Um, Although, so to re-reference, that poor guy. Oh yeah. Accused for days and, and going through like, all of this. Like, I mean, he he what it proposed to her, so they obviously had some kind of relationship. He might have you know loved those kids like his own, and he's tied to them overnight. I mean, it's just that's like, what I was thinking. Is like horrifying. if he if he was ready to marry her, but then again, that's the story she told. So True. he may he may have just been her neighbor, and they show oh up at, God. at his house one day. He's like, "Yeah, I know her," and they're like, "Well, you're arrested." And he's like, "What the hell is going on oh, now?" Now we're gonna tie you to some children and dress up like a ghost. That would be so terrible. That's awful. It is. All right. So what was this woman's name again? Francesca. All right. We have found our little Bible, the Anatomy of Evil, written by Dr. Michael Stone, where we put our murderers on a scale let's see if you can do this for memorization oh god all right so it's a scale from one to 22 one being justifiable homicide and 22 being psychopathic torture murderers where torture is the primary motive need not necessarily be sexual look at that that's probably pretty close right i give him a b plus Uh (laughs) uh-oh what was 22 psychopathic torture murderers with torture as their primary motive the motive need not always be sexual so we got one word wrong? No, he got several. Oh. One. But pretty close. You said it was such conviction. <laughs> I thought you were telling the truth. In the, the hand motion. Yes. He got the point across, but, you know, if we're going by word count, that was... <laughs> well, I mean, he kind of missed a big part where it says, where you said with torture not being the... No, I said torture no, as did. the primary. No, you did not. No, and the did not. need not necessarily no, no, no. sexual. Uh, yes, I, I absolutely did. Right, we great. will, we will, we will uh-huh, uh-huh. refer let's, to let's the tape. Let's take to the tape. <laughs> okay, so Joe, Francesca... This uh, completely messed up. Madre. Which I mean, she's gonna have to start with at least like the premeditated level. This is obviously oh, yeah, this not passion. Yep. This is not. This was planned. Okay, so there are two that I would suggest. Okay, now I think what it hinges on, if we have to assume this boyfriend of hers, right? And I put that in air quotes, boyfriend. What we don't really know is if he really was into her it never specifies that he's the one who's like i would marry you but you have kids so it may have just been that is a justification she made in her head ah right okay? right, right. so that's going to be really what i think that changes where we go on the scale for saying that she just wanted to get rid of her kids her motive think, her motive for her killing motive, her motive them. is just because uh, she thinks that at least is because her kids are are the hindrance right okay. yeah okay so I believe it is either category 11, mm-hmm. fully psychopathic killers of people in the way, mm. 
But also, I think it could be category 15, psychopathic, cold-blooded spree or multiple murders. I do agree with the cold-blooded part. I don't see it as a spree. A spree sounds more spur of the moment. It doesn't sound like... Or multiple murders. Yeah. I don't know. That one just still feels like more like um, suddenly, like almost like a... Who's the one who... The guy who killed all the people in the subway when he got real mad because some teenager mouthed off to him. You well, know, like that, that sounded like a ra- the rageful psychopath to uh-huh. me. Or the vampire, the vampire guy who just went from house to house killing people randomly. What? Is, oh shit! I can't remember his name. But okay, so I think it, I think it's more eleven. I think it's more eleven. I think it's more the people in the way. People in the way. Because if that's whether she believes it or not, that's her reasoning. And so she did it to get them out of the way, so she couldn't. But you know what? I'm going to take that back because she also tried to kill her, not try to kill herself, but she framed Pedro. Mm-hmm. She framed him. Yeah. So, so it well, could also sound be, like. I think that's just kind of an aside to the end. The, because she knew she would have to pin it on someone. Right. So. Well, she didn't have to. She could have been like, a man came in and, kill, and killed my, my family true. and tried to kill me and then ran off into the night. It could also be bringing him up, right? Yeah. Because you have to, you have to have some concept of what was going to happen to him if he oh, gets no. taken in, right? He's clearly the third victim and would have been hanged or executed or shot or for this. Yeah. yeah, he could have even been killed with the beatings that he yeah he occurred. <clears throat> but it could also be category sixteen, which is psychopathic persons committing multiple vicious acts, including murder. So, I mean, she stabbed her children, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we don't have any idea of how she treated her children beforehand, right? But I believe knowing what would happen to Pedro, or even having any kind of inclination of what would happen to Pedro, and still pointing the finger at him, is a vicious act. What about the whole narcissism of the act? Because this was obviously, it is for her own gains. It is... She went through such diabolical means to to frame Pedro for it because what she because if it was someone in the way she could have killed her children and then went off to this boyfriend and said look I don't have children anymore let's run away together it's 1892 you know what I mean but she went through all of this to have the police get Pedro and make it look so believable so it's almost like she enjoyed the attention like there's something there where she made herself a victim as well. I guess that would be under category 14, Rachel's favorite category, <laughs> ruthlessly self-centered psychopathic schemers. However, I don't see her as a schemer. Like, she did not have a reputation yeah. of scheming or playing people or anything like that. It was probably just a one-off thing. Right. She just, she, she found her children to be anchors around her neck for a life that she wanted to go to. But no, you can't even say that was gonna happen if she actually did it because unless she thought that's what was gonna happen well she thought but it's like this dude is probably going no she's crazy I don't want anything to do with her unless she framed Pedro so that the boyfriend would think she was the victim of all this stuff and I love her and I can't believe this happened to her and blah 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 like she was trying to get that kind of sympathy from him Mm -hmm. I don't think any of those will chain like like (laughs) Never mind. I can't. I can't form no, that I'm, into a, a thought there. I'm having a hard time putting my thoughts into words for this one, and I don't know why. There's something about it that's very. Is it because it's children? No, it's not even that it's children. It's that the steps she took well, so, seem different than what I would think someone who is trying to get their kids out of the way to run off with a guy or to prove to a guy that look, I got rid of my kids so we could be together. Right. Like and there's so, there's that there's a too many there's too many. Um, there is too much scheming. There's too, there's too many things that she didn't have to do. Right. She, she didn't have to... Well, I mean, it makes her story more believable that she slit her own throat. Can you imagine slitting your own throat and hoping, hopefully, I don't you know, bleed out before somebody finds me? You just don't do it hard enough. It's not about bleeding out at that point. You just don't do it hard enough so you only have... But it has to be hard enough that people it believe believable. it. Yeah. You get a paper cut and you're like, ow! ow. Yeah, <laughs> you uh, know? That's true. Ooh. Like... So the ability to do that to yourself to to achieve 
the end you're looking for. All right. So now we're we've <laughs> we have not narrowed. We have broadened it down. <laughs> I just I my point was like having that kind of commitment to inflict that kind of pain um, on yourself, pain and and a wound on yourself. I think is clearly a, a psychopathic trait. I agree. I think that's probably true. At this point, really thinking about what happened to both of her children, and I mean, y- you can try to sterilize her over, but children are different than adults yeah. and when hurting them and killing them. And then also what happened to Pedro, knowing that he had nothing to do with it and he was completely, and if, if in fact, you know, he was pursuing her and he did want to marry her, that's even... A worse act, I would lean more towards a 15 or a 16. I will agree. I feel due to just the categorization, I think, and again, good time to point out, we are not professionals. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) We're just fucking around. (laughs) But given that that um, category here of where spree or multiple murders, psychopathy is apparent. So... If we can agree on that, yeah. then she is a 15 or 16. I just, I really feel like the narcissism plays into this because it's so. You it's always so, play the narcissist. It's card. so, it's such a selfish act. So much of it is so selfish. Killing her own children, framing someone else for the murders. You know what I mean? Like, okay, but does the narcissism make it, it would, the narcissism actually kicks it down a level. Mm. So is it less of a, of an evil act because it's narcissism? No. Well, Dr. Michael Stone seems to think so. Because you are way down at seven for a narcissist killing a loved one. Well, 14 is self-centered. Yeah. What is seven? Highly narcissistic persons with some with a psychotic core who murder loved ones. I don't think her children were loved ones. (sighs) Four and six. That's a I mean... She didn't love those kids. Well, obviously. Who was the dad? Where was the... Where, uh, that was, was 1892. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, no, so, so I mean, so that if, if the uh, motivation is of a narcissistic and not of a psychopathic, then it's a 7. If it's cold-blooded psychopathic killing, it's a 15. And see, this is where my original point came up. If this dude was saying, let's get married, but you can't have your kids, then I would say that's narcissistic. But if this guy is like hanging out and she's like, well, the only reason he's not marrying me is because I have kids, that's psychopathic. Right. And so we don't know that piece. We don't know. But I'm kind of willing to take an educated guess. Especially if you have another dude who's saying, hey, will you marry me? Mm-hmm. You know? And if a guy's not going to marry you because you have kids, then he doesn't want to marry you. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm willing to go with 15. If you really want to. I, I do feel like there's an element there we're missing or that I just can't connect in my own brain or whatever. But but yeah, I'm willing to go with 15 if that's what you'd like. I mean, I would love to put a 15. But even though we overuse seven so much, the very idea of my kids are a real drag yeah. holding me down. I'm going to kill them to set myself free. To get married to a dude or just to not have kids anymore, I feel is a pretty primo narcissist yeah thing or maybe just selfish i don't know i don't know i feel like her extreme actions or whatever talks to someone who is not in their right mind Mm. it's not just like me 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 it (laughs) is true what a narcissist slit throwing throat especially if she wants someone to marry her what if it was for attention though she got the wrong kind because then (laughs) the police are looking at her (laughs) All right, so towing cost 7 to 15, which is pretty Huge. far apart. Yeah, no, we can go 15. We can go 15. Yeah, I, I just don't think, like, a narcissist is one thing, but a narcissist who kills their children and cuts their throat is something else. Right. So, okay, so episode 9, Francesca. What's her last name? Rojas. R O J O S. 15. 15. And she's next to... Oh, the Brewster ants. <laughs> <laughs> Who definitely committed multiple murders mm-hmm. over a large period of time. Mm-hmm. Story B. Okay. So, I was inspired by you, Joe, to go kind of out 
side of what we usually do. So story B is typically an unsolved murder or something like that. And I went with something a little different. It does have a murder in it. But it's actually the story of one of our founding fathers. So we're going to talk today about... Wait. This isn't an old Hollywood murder (laughs) mystery? Not today. I'm out. (laughs) His name was Gouverneur Morris. Gouverneur? Yeah, I'm not going to keep saying it like that. Gouverneur. But his his first name really is... It's spelled a little different, but it's it's Governor. Like, that's Governor Morris. That's his first name. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot of people know about him. He's, uh, but he is one of our founding fathers. So we're just opening into this. Did you call him Gov? Like Mr. Morris, I think. Gov. Gov. <laughs> so uh, Morris was born on January thirty first, seventeen fifty two, in Manhattan, in uh, his family's home slash land called Morrisania. So I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Their last name was Morris, so they named it Morrisania. Morrisania. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, why that? I mean, like, Morrisville would be better. <laughs> well, that's more like a town. This is this is a land. This is an empire. Then you don't know. name it after your last name. Don't know what to tell you. you know, think of something better. Governor is his mother's maiden name, and it quite literally meant governor. And so that's why it was passed. Ahead. So they named him two last names. Yes. Correct. Uh, he was a diplomat, statesman, financial expert who helped create the U.S. decimal coinage system. So, you know, he was up there. So he's responsible for all the pennies. Yes, he is. That son of a bitch. (laughs) Uh, He was a federalist who distrusted colonialists who wanted to break with England. He was like, "Mm -mm, I like like the monarchy. But he also really wanted independence. So he sided with them when it came down to it. What? I know. (laughs) He's a bit of a conundrum. Cake and eat it. Yeah. He He believed in religious tolerance. And he was one of the signers of the Articles of Confederation. So basically, I'm going through all of his. I'm going through all of his statesman stuff right now, and then we're going to get to the weird stuff. Out of everyone at the Constitutional Convention, he spoke the most. Out of everybody, he spoke 173 times. He gave 173 speeches. Narcissist at the Constitutional Convention. <laughs> he is a number seven. Um, <laughs> usually, he was on the losing side of the, of the arguments and stuff ah, like that. So he was more for quantity <laughs> over quality. Yeah. Filibuster. <laughs> but he's also credited with crafting most of the language used in the Constitution. Like Thomas, not Thomas Jefferson, but like they, they all wrote it together. Thomas Jefferson did the Declaration of Independence. Right. But they all wrote the Constitution together and he's credited with most of the language. In fact, that's because he wouldn't shut the fuck up. And yeah, they're like, so fine, we're putting it in, Governor, we're putting it in. Very beautiful but unconvincing words. <laughs> he actually is the one who coined We the People. Of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, originally, it was going to be like, we the people of Massachusetts, Connecticut, Delaware. Like, they were going to name all the states. And he's like, cut that shit out. So, And then someone else is like, let's put all the white men of the country. <laughs> and he's like, maybe not. Well, now let's change that a little bit. It started so. with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we the people. He got out of Congress in 1779 because he wasn't reelected. And he went back to lawyering in Philadelphia. He worked with Thomas Jefferson on the monetary system. I mentioned that before, that they're the ones who kind of got it off the ground. And his brother was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. So he's, you know, he, he moves in circles of very famous men and women of the founding of this country, you know. And he was what? He's considered a founding father because he was part of all of that. Uh, at one point, he was appointed minister of France. But he supported the king when they were going through their revolution in fact, he bought some of Marie Antoinette's furniture and had it shipped back to Boston. <laughs> so. He can't read the room. No, he? he cannot. He cannot. He doesn't know. He doesn't. So the revolutionaries actually asked the United States, please take him back. We don't want him to be the minister to France anymore. I bet. Yeah. And he probably is like, take me back. They're, they're beheading people over here. He was chairman of the commission for the Erie Canal, for the building of the Erie Canal. And he is also credited with um, the the Manhattan grid system that we see the city. Like, he, he basically did the city planning for Manhattan. It's a grid system, motherfucker. Yeah, it's not, it's not hard, but I mean, no, I mean, I'm sure it was a little hard. I don't know. Is it hard to plan a city? It sounds hard. I'm not a city. I've, <laughs> no? I've, you not? I've played that game. <laughs> it's hard. It's not that bad. Yeah. So he, you just think ahead. Yeah. So he's he's done a lot of stuff. Uh, he was an extreme conservative who wanted a big government because he believed in the monarchy. So that's why he's. So he wanted independence, but he wanted to be part of the people in charge of ruling the country. Uh, you know, uh, he's a 
He's a, I don't know what he is. Morristown would be better too. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I have two quotes here that are accredited to him that are really good. In 1787, he said, slavery is the curse of heaven on the states where it prevails. So he was very anti-slavery, which is good. That's a good point. Okay, yeah. <laughs> good job, governor. Governor. And then in 1803, he said, in adopting a Republican form of government, I not only took it as a man does his wife, for better or, or for worse, but what few men do with their wives, I took it knowing all its bad qualities. Okay. That's a good quote I, when you I let it sink it. in. Yeah, I enjoy that. Because he, he was against a Republican form of government, but he eventually went with it because that was the way we were going to get our independence and all that stuff. And I don't know. He's just, he's a wordy dude. I mean, at that time, though, he was against slavery. Yeah. So why wouldn't he want a Republican government? Because he still thought we should have a ruling class. But he didn't think people should work for free. He thought that they should have their own homes and their own independence and their own, but they should still report basically to a big government. Hmm. But I, Clinton said it best. He, he wanted his cake and eat it too. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. He's just a nut. I did right. say it best. So let's get into the weird. <laughs> Don't forget that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's get into the weird stuff Read about Governor Morris. In a hundred years, people at a podcast will be like, "And Clinton said once." <laughs> at the age of fourteen, he poured boiling water down one side of his body, which messed up his arm and a lot of his like side. But he avoided gangrene, which was great. He did have to miss one year of schooling at King's College because at the age of fourteen, he was going to college. Which I guess was normal. Well, you die so early too. I mean, I always, you got to be done with school like maybe at seventeen, so that <laughs> I you, thought that was like a you got you get four good years and yeah. then you die. I always thought that was a, a a messed up stereotype. Like the the age that you died in the past also factors in um, like stillbirths and people who die in childbirth and stuff like that. So it looks like everybody's dying at a young age just because that's the average. That's not the case. We just had a lot of people dying. It didn't necessarily mean the age. Like, people still live to, like, the 70s and 80s. But... I think that's probably a few, though. I don't know. I mean, because it has to do with, like, your your eating habits and, sure. and your healthy lifestyle or whatever. So, and there, there was a lot of poor people who did not have a good lifestyle. Right. So I do not see them living Plus that people long. just keep dueling each other in the streets. All the time. Like, over what you're having for dinner. And also, at the time, you're living it... <laughs> Your streets are just covered in poo. poo. Yeah, we were and, talking about that. A lot and, of poop. Well, yeah, like uh, you mentioned before, it's like, sure, a giant pile of poo in the middle of Manhattan sounds terrible, but imagine throwing it out your window every day. <laughs> okay, so he, so he's, he's got all these like burn scars and stuff on his body. Which, but. so to be clear, it was. I assume he had some sort of infection and poured boiling water to fix no, it. No, 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 no. He had a kettle of hot water and just went whoops and just poured it all over. Like seriously, <laughs> so it like was that's... an accident that yeah. he didn't do it on purpose. Yeah, yeah it was, okay. on, it was okay. an accident. Sorry. Yeah. During the Revolutionary War, his family was split. His sisters were married to loyalists. He had a half brother who was a British soldier and officer, uh, but then he had another half brother who was a patriot. So he was, he was, his family was all messed up. <laughs> At one point, he was left homeless when his mother let the British camp stay in Morsania. Let the British camp in Morsania. That's really how I should have phrased it. Hey, that's one of our amendments. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. Can't can't house a soldier. Can't do that anymore. It's not allowed. So I mean, you can house them if you want. No. No, if you. No. <laughs> out out of the house. <laughs> in 1780, he got in a carriage accident, which broke a bunch of bones in his foot and leg. And unlike the boiling water incident, this is where the doctors recommended amputation below the knee. Oof. So he got his, his leg, he agreed to it, and he got a peg leg. And so they cut him off right at the oh knee. God, and the okay. story gets better and better. But his regular doctor, when he finally got around to see him, said, we probably could have saved that. <laughs> and he's like, you it's, son of a bitch. And it's too late. You're Governor Peg Leg Morris. Yep, that's right. Man, I hope he like shaved down a piece of Marie Antoinette's furniture and attached <laughs> it to his leg. But you left the filigree and stuff yeah. like that. Oh I've got gosh. the fanciest peg leg in the country. And it in only Morris cost me two ninety nine because I invented ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Governor was a ladies' man. Even without his little leg. Even without his leg. In <laughs> fact, a lot of people thought he broke it jumping from a woman's balcony. Like, he trying to get away from her well, He's Don Juan. Yeah. He was, in fact, out running a carriage driven by a man whose wife he fucked. <laughs> so, there is Practically that. the same thing, really. Yeah. But even though he had his peg leg, he continued to, I love this, ride horses, climb church steeples, 
and dance with his peg leg as well as as fuck a lot of ladies. Wait, okay, so you you said it a series of things that were like pastimes. Yes. And in the middle of there, it's climb church steeples. Correct. Is that was that a pastime of people? Apparently, that was something he enjoyed doing. Like they didn't have climbing walls invented yet, so they just climbed church right. steeples. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think it was like um, instead of um, rock climbing, they did church. Ste- no, I have no idea, but that's what it said in the article. So John Jay, who was another founding father, he <laughs> Gunnar Morris slept with so many women that. He got syphilis. When he no, when he lost his leg, John Jay said, "quote He had wished Morris had lost something else." <laughs> so because it's, his dick. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what he meant. But John Jay is too much of a gentleman. Not me. <laughs> Got to dip it. it in ink and smear it on paper first, so we know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> he had a three-year affair with an author, the Comtesse Adelaide Flau. I don't know. It's French. The Comtesse. Comtesse, um, who was married to a dude thirty-five years older than her. So she was in a, an unhappy marriage, I suppose. She lived in the Louvre because at one point it held apartments for the king's favorite people. Ooh. Um, and so he was he was screwing her in the Louvre. So he's one of the few people who could say, I, I well, probably not few. If there were apartments for probably a lot of people. But there are people now who say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of their escapades, and he, he was a diligent diarist, so everybody knows this. One of their escapades took place in a hallway. Like in the middle of the hallway when her husband was one floor below and doors were open, people passing by, like all of that was, could have happened. It was, and so he was very open about having sex wherever he could with his peg leg. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> During the French revolution, reminder, he's in, he's a minister at France, right? He's a minister to France at that point. According to historian Forrest MacDonald, Morris was riding in an ornate carriage with a lady friend. When a mob descended on them in anti-aristocratic fervor. So like, so they're driving along their carriage. These guys just plow into the carriage. Morris pulled off his leg, shoved it out the window, shouting, Viva la revolution. <laughs> and the sight, of the, the sight of the peg leg distracted the revolutionaries long enough for Morris to speed off in the carriage. Hey, look at this. <laughs> Shiny. And then he ran off. Yeah. I don't know if he like ditched it. Like he's like, look over there and threw his peg leg or... Like how you throw keys if someone's trying to steal Right, right. I think that might have been what happened. So those were the kind of um, shenanigans <laughs> Morris got into. The, I just, it makes me think like he's got a trunk that he carries around with him and it's just full of peg legs. Oh, yeah, like different like yeah. styles and, and shoes. Like, so he just threw one out of the carriage window. He's like, ah, I like that one. <laughs> then, then he opens up the trunk and he's rubbing through. Marie Antoinette for another couch. <laughs> what else will I pair with these pantaloons now? <laughs> Okay, so in 1809, he's 57 years old. He's starting to slow down a little bit. He marries his new housekeeper. She, like, she'd literally been working for him for like months or something like that, and she, he decides to marry her. Her name is Anne Carey, but she goes by Anne Carey Randolph, but she goes by the name Nancy. So I'm going to refer to her as Nancy from the, I don't know, guys. Sure. It's <laughs> the so 1800s. Whatever you want to do. She is 22 years his junior. So she's 35. Is that right? That can't be right. You said 57? Yeah. Maybe it is right. Math is hard. She's young. 35. Nancy was <laughs> super pretty and really popular at 16. When she was 16, she was like... We're going to talk a little bit about Nancy here. She was followed by a lot of suitors, and she looked like she had a huge future ahead of her as far as women in the 1800s do, which is marrying someone right. But her stepmother was about the same age she was, and they did not get along. And so after one really bad fight, she was sent to live with her sister, Judith. And at 19, she began sleeping with Judith's husband, her brother-in-law. <laughs> Damn, Nancy. Goodness. Yeah. So Nancy's sleeping with this guy named Richard Randolph. She asked, and this is where, this is where things are going to get a little dark. She asked a relative, Martha Jefferson Randolph, who happens to be Thomas Jefferson's daughter, for, and I will not pronounce this correctly, gum guayacam, which I think is some kind of herb or plant, to abort a baby yeah. that she was now pregnant with from Richard. While traveling with her sister and Richard, the baby was born and allegedly killed by Richard Randolph and left in a rubbish heap, later to be found by the house they were staying at, later to be found by their slaves. And you can find accounts where they talk about like the night this happened, like it happened in the middle of the night and it was, and like Richard wouldn't let anyone to the room. It's, it's very, it's horrifying. 
Richard Randolph and Nancy were put on trial, but she claimed it was a stillborn, and so she was acquitted. But at this point, her reputation is ruined because everybody knows now that she was pregnant and that it was... And she was fucking around. And she was fucking around and all this stuff, yeah. You don't do that back then. Yeah. So, uh... I mean, everybody was doing it back then. I know. But you don't get caught. You don't get caught. <laughs> Richard, you have enough money to pay off right. what's going on. Richard died suddenly and mysteriously not long after this event. She might have been poisoned by Nancy. Nobody really knows. But her sister Judith was pissed at Nancy. Of course. So, because now she's out a husband and she's, you know, got all this, like, scandal around her family. And Nancy was fucking her husband. So Nancy decided to go traveling. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. She stayed at various friends' places and plantations. She stayed at Monticello for a little bit. Finally ended up in a boarding house. Which, because she had no money, she had a terrible reputation, she was not doing well. You went from Monticello mm-hmm. to a boarding house. Yeah. And it was there where Morris asked her to be his housekeeper. He had met her at a party at a plantation a couple of years before. And so when he found her at the boarding house, he's like, she's pretty. And, you know, I don't know. Governor Morris was a, was a weird cat. So he liked her. He, he brought her home. Um, <laughs> like they you do with other cats. Right. And they got <laughs> married at like... Like, he was having a party, and he announced at the party, hey, I just married my, my housekeeper. And people were like, what? Like, And she's dusting something yeah. and turns like, around, she was, like, what? They talk about that. She was literally wearing her, like, housekeeper's clothes, and they were doing Kinky. that as kind of like a, like a, like a, like, it kind of And then she me. spins in a circle, and her dress turns into a, a, a ball gown. Well, it reminds me of the, of the scene from The Office when Andy's wearing, like, the coveralls, and he's, like, mopping the floors <laughs> up, but he's really the manager at that point, and he's waiting for David Walsh. So it, it was kind of like that idea calibrate so they got married at 61 morris became a father to a baby boy who they named governor morris jr at 61 61 and as far as i can tell this is the only child he had considering how many like escapades he he got involved in the only child he knows about yeah Yeah. this is the only legitimate one because this is the only marriage he had but this is the only one that they mentioned nobody i didn't find any articles where they talk about any illegitimate ones so yeah but if you're not married to the woman and you still have a baby isn't that considered illegitimate if you're not married to the woman and you have a baby. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is that there was none mentioned of that. Right. But he just doesn't know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like a lot of that stuff usually comes to light by this point. But yeah, sure. There, pro- there might be. They got to do some DNA testing like uh, Jefferson's kids. Yeah. By the way, they kept the name Governor Morris Ju- Morris going until the 4th. So they had a oh Governor goodness. Morris the 4th. He died in the 70s. What is wrong with these people? I don't know. Let I, it go. I would not want to be named Governor. Uh, Morris was, uh, by most of the accounts I read, faithful to Nancy. Uh, at yeah, one, because he was an old man by old then. Man he by can't get point. out. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, there's this he's really, an old man with a peg leg. She probably <laughs> hid it from him. <laughs> and he couldn't remember where he put it. You have a very low opinion of Nancy. Why? Why would she hold I it? have a bad opinion of him. Why would she hide a peg leg? Because to stop him from yeah. cheating on her. <laughs> he's like, I'm going out for the evening. She's like, no, you're not. Find <laughs> your peg leg. Yeah, where's your peg leg? Huh? Why don't you go chop some scents? There's this, there's this very romantic account where he like wrote up. He was on the road doing something for work. Like some, you know, whatever he's doing. And he wrote her a poem for her and, the, and his baby. And then the day after that was the last night he spent away from her. Like, from there on out, he, he was with her every night. I don't know. No. It was a little too romantic for me. Now, on the <laughs> flip side, Morris's relatives were really pissed. Because they thought he was going to be a confirmed bachelor and they would get all this stuff. Mm. And now, he had, she had a baby and all this stuff was going to that baby. That's right. They and really so, wanted Marie Antoinette's furniture. Yeah, they were really upset. Um, well, plus, it was all lower now because all the legs were taken <laughs> off of it. And by marrying Morris, Nancy got a little more prominence. She was accepted back into respectable society, but she still had to fight scandal for most of her life. Later on, Teddy Roosevelt wrote a biography on him. Huh. Which, of course, Teddy Roosevelt looked up this guy and was like, my king. Like, <laughs> it's so good. There's a quote here. There, was, there has never been an American statesman of keener intellect or more brilliant genius. Had he possessed but a little more steadiness and self-control, he would have stood among the two or three very foremost. So if he wasn't fucking around all day, he could have been the George Washington. Yeah, but who had the more fun life? Yeah, yeah I agree. In 1816, he had a bad bout of gout and experienced a urinary tract blockage. Trigger warning here. He attempted to fix the blockage himself. Like you do. He used a whalebone as a catheter 
Right up the pee hole, right? Yeah. And he did it very poorly. And that (laughs) resulted in an infection, which killed him. He was 64. Oh, so he only knew his baby for three years. That's... mm, And it's best years. (laughs) They don't talk back. (laughs) You can put them in one spot and they stay there. He died in Morrisania in the same room he was born. Wow. That's interesting. And so that is our founding father, Governor Morris, and all of his wild times. Morrisania. Morrisania. Is that even, is that like a a place now? I don't think so, because I think it was like in the middle of Manhattan. I think it's been replaced by like buildings and stuff like that. Yeah, I think he was like prime real estate down there. Although, you know what? I didn't look that up, but I, I, that's just the feeling I got. So you're going to look it up right now? Why not? I already looked him up. Like, is there a... Yeah, look at that hottie. (laughs) You got... Oh, there's his peg leg! He (laughs) must have been, like... Because there aren't... I mean, obviously in that day and age, the... the, What you consider good looking is a little different than maybe we consider today in 2021. But he must... He was not... He wasn't super good looking. So he must have been, like, Clearly he's got the charisma, though. Yeah, he must have incredible charm. And I think he was just, like, a really slick... He also had money. He had money. But, I mean, he was he was doing it with women who had money. Like, they didn't need him for his money. Oh. Morrisania is a residential neighborhood in the southwestern Bronx, New York City. So they still call it Morrisania. Like, yeah. They call the neighborhood that. That's interesting. Morrisania. So at one point, that neighborhood belonged to one family. And his descendants I, still exist. Like, the the Governor Morris IV, who died in the 70s, he had kids. He just didn't name them anything else. So I don't know how much of, like... His wealth was passed down. Like, I don't know if they're Richie Rich or anything like that. Or if they're or, still in Morrisania. Or if they're still in Morrisania. I see, that seems unlikely, but you never know. But yeah, so, Governor Morris. I kind of like doing this one because despite the crazy death of a baby and possible poisoning of a lover, it kind of ends on a high note for today's episode because he was just a wild dude. Yeah, he was. Interesting. That whalebone bit. <laughs> That's that's like the thing that he's mo- <laughs> unfortunately that's the thing he's most known for is sticking a whalebone in his dick because if you like look up Governor Morris they're like oh you want to hear about how he stuck a whalebone in his penis <laughs> like that's the big I also wonder is it in his enormous penis oh that might be part of it too yeah he might have had a yeah. I mean like truthfully if you think about a whalebone feels like it would be pretty big yeah and you would think you could find something a little bit. Thinner. Thinner than that? To Whale bones were used for the corsets, though. And oh. so they're not that big. Like, But, I mean... I mean, compared to a dick. On. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, that's substantial. Oh, and it might have been filed down. Like, we don't know what it was. That's just the material I don't know. Used. Use a hat pen. I don't think he went to a whale and said, give me a bone! Or, like, cracked it right out of the guy's ribs. You know what I mean? I think it was... I just think that there could be... A hat pen? Holy... That sounds horrifying, too! But it's thinner. <laughs> Ugh. Yikes. <sighs> So you could, and it's, you know, made of metal, so you could probably sterilize it better. Not that they knew anything about that, but. Right. I I think all in all, just performing any kind of catheter on yourself in 1809 was the mistake. I think, yeah, I think what we all need to to come away with this knowing is don't stick things up your dickhole. Well. Unless you're into that, no king shaming. Yeah, unless you're into that. That's the whole (laughs) thing. Sounding? Yes. Yeah. I know stuff. Well, I mean, like, okay, do it for recreational reasons. Don't do it. However, to, still don't, sterilize. Yeah, don't do it for medical reasons yeah. unless you're a doctor. So that was a fun, different story. Yeah. I just came across him and I'm like, man, this guy is out of control. I got to put him on murder brunch. So. There was some murder. Yeah. In there. I mean, assuming that Nancy oh, she was did. lying about the stillborn thing and stuff like that. I mean, Even if she wasn't, then, I mean, like, that dude died for no reason. Mysterious circumstances. That's true. That's true. I guess we've told stories with, with less accusatory tone. <laughs> so, but anyway, just a fun one. I, you know, not fun. I mean, boarding babies and <laughs> things like that. That's not the fun part, but... <laughs> the dick hole is the fun the part. The dick hole is the fun part, yeah. What I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sources? Let's do it. So okay. my sources are... An episode of Criminal called Like a Page from a Book. It was a bonus episode. Uh, and Criminal is a podcast, by the way. If you haven't listened to it, go find it. It's great. That was on Criminal? Mm-hmm. I must have heard it then. And yet you don't remember. I don't remember. They have a lot Phoebe of Phoebe would be so hurt. She would. History.com. 
they had a this day in history which because it's coming up soon oh yeah, yeah in june 19th and i used the department of justice's office of justice programs fingerprint source book chapter one my sources for Governor Morris are Britannica.com and Bill of Rights Institute. Both of those sites are going to give you the dry statesman stuff. They don't really talk about the interesting things behind him. But they'll tell you about the coinage system that he came up with and all that. Interesting. And then History.com and media, Medium.com had some of the other sourced material. So, there we are. Another episode of Murder Brunch in the bag. Only three more three to go. left. Mm-hmm. Find us on our socials. I guess we'll throw that in. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> or don't. You know what? You're we're not the boss. Or are you? ignore us like you have been doing. Aww. And go and stick something up your dick hole. <laughs> <laughs> no king shame. But we're on all the socials is murder brunch, and then you can email us at murderbrunchbunch at gmail.com. Our website is murderbrunchpodcast.com. And we have a Patreon, so if you'd like to contribute to that, it's only five dollars a month. But you got a lot of fun stuff that we're posting. Including a bonus story by me at some point. Join us next time for... More mayhem. More murder. More snacks. Bye. Bye. Stop playing with your hair, Clinton. It's falling forward. And so I have to hold it back. So emo.